And welcome to the third annual Green Eggs and Sam podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Dan Greeny. How you doing? And we watched the 2011 NBA draft last night. And let me tell you, there were some twists and turns there. Some things we were not expecting. So let's just jump right into it. The first pick was DeAndre Ayton to the Phoenix Suns. Greeny, no surprises there, right? Oh, not at all. Definitely the best player in this draft in my mind, at least on the American side of things. I guess people that follow Luka Doncic might have an argument with that. But we'll see how it pans out in the NBA. Sounds like they're both going to be really solid players. And Ayton was definitely the best of the bunch on the college level last year. So Ayton is more of an offensive player for the most part? He's solid defensively. Uh, okay. He's probably got to bulk up a little bit more to be a real great defensive center. But the offensive game is there. He will definitely be in the running for Rookie of the Year next year just because of his offensive numbers. Good rebounder, too. Now, is it a post game or can, does he shoot threes? Does he shoot mid-range? He shot some college threes last year. He can step out, and I think he's more back to the basket, but he does have the ability to knock down face-up jump shots. Oh, wow. That, that's big in today's NBA. Um, so, the Suns... They, they got another guy now. They got Devin Booker, who's a big scorer, and now they have this guy. So the future's finally looking kind of bright. Got to throw Josh Jackson in there, too, for Josh Jackson, year. great defensive guy. He really came around the second half of the season. Um, they had some misses on some picks. It looks like Marquise Chris and uh, the other guy, Dragon Bender, haven't really turned out to be as good as they thought they'd be and Alex Len from way back in the 2013 draft he's probably not even going to be on the team next year TJ Warren's still with them but they now have another guy who um, you know has a chance to become a superstar in this league sounds like a real good young core Warren can really score it Jackson is versatile and Booker's on the cusp of being an all-star already and Aitman's definitely a future all-star and Booker, I feel like, probably would have been an all-star this year, say, if the Suns were in playoff contention. But usually they pick um, the selections based on how the team's doing. But he, he puts up all-star numbers, without a doubt. He won the three-point contest. Great, great player. Uh, so then, after that, the Sacramento Kings picked Marvin Bagley. We thought maybe Luka might have gone here. And... Marvin, tell us about Marvin Greeny. Who who is this guy? This is a big time scorer, reclassified a year up so he could play college basketball last year and actually should be a freshman in college this year, so he's one of the younger guys in this draft. And this guy puts up numbers. He's going to score I think 15 a game next year if he gets minutes like I think he will, depending on what happens with Zach Randolph, but this guy has been drafted to take Zach Randolph's job eventually. And he's not going to play defense right away. He's going to rebound well because he's 6'11", but I guess there's questions about what position he's eventually going to be. He's going to start as a 4, but I think some people think he could project as potentially a 3, and the question is going to be, can he defend 3s in the NBA? And I don't think he's there yet, but he's got that kind of versatility. You were asking about Aiden shooting outside shots. This guy can knock down NBA 3s today, and eventually... Maybe he could be a 40% three-point shooter in the NBA, and that's why people think that he could eventually play the three. But, yeah, he'll start out as a four, and I think he'll also definitely be in contention for Rookie of the Year this year. Well, yes, he'll definitely get the minutes with the Kings. The Kings don't have a go-to guy. They had Fox that um, they picked up last year in the draft who, who did all right, but not, not really seeing the, the superstar poten- potential there yet. Agreed. But, you know, he's going to be a solid pro. But now they have, you know, maybe the guy who's going to be scoring for them all the time. They have a pretty solid young core. They have Willie Cauley-Stein, Scalabissier. They have Buddy Heels as well, Frank Mason. Uh, they they had a, a European guy, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, not to get confused with the other Bogdanovich. MVP of the Rising Stars game, correct? Yeah. Was he? I believe he was. I completely missed out on All-Star Weekend. I only only read about the highlights. But he's a solid pro. So, 
And and Zach Randolph is still on the team. I don't think he should be getting minutes next year. They really should try and move him. I understand what they were trying to do when they signed Randolph Hill and Carter, Vince Carter last year. They're just trying to get some some vets to show the young guys, you know, how to play the game, how to compose yourself. But at the same time, they were taking minutes away from the young guys, and they gotta they gotta develop these guys. So Randolph really sh- should not be getting playing time over a number two pick, especially someone with star potential like Marvin Bagley. I think they really should move on from him. But you know, maybe it's gonna start to come together for the Kings because. I cannot remember the last time they made the playoffs. They tried and failed many times with Boogie Cousins. It just never happened. But good for them. Good Bag- for them. Bagley is also from California, so he's kind of a hometown kid. So that'll okay. definitely bring some fans into the building too. So I think it helps as far as that goes. That's good. Well, I would not say they screwed that pick up, but we will see. Time, time always changes things, as uh, we found out about the 2017 draft. At the end of this podcast, maybe we'll recap the 2017 draft and just kind of be like, oh my god, we thought this guy was going to be better. Oh, this that pick's looking good. So we'll move on. We'll go to number three, the Atlanta Hawks. This was probably one of the most interesting things that happened um, for the night. The Atlanta Hawks ended up trading the number three pick to acquire Dallas's number five pick. Dallas also gave a future first round pick in order to get that number three pick. And the, uh, the reason Dallas did it was so they could get Luka Doncic. But the Hawks really like Trey Young, who they ended up taking with that number five pick. It's so confusing. To- trying to explain these these trades that went on. So technically, Atlanta made the pick for Doncic, but really it's the Mavs pick. So basically, we'll just say that Trey Young went three to the Hawks, even though he really went five. Trey Young, do, do you, you think the Hawks were kind of reaching, picking Trey Young when they could have had Doncic at number three? They must have been high on Trey Young. That's the only reason why I can see them doing this. To me, there were three big-time point guards coming out of college in this year's draft. Mm-hmm. And you got Trey Young, you got Colin Sexton, and you got SGA, Shea Gilgis Alexander out of Kentucky. And watching college basketball all season, obviously, you saw Trey Young's great season, first guy ever to lead the country in scoring and assists on a very mediocre team that barely made the NCAA tournament, and there were stretches of the season where he looked like a very selfish player. And to me, besides all the greatness, that's what I'm going to remember about his freshman year. Whereas Colin Sexton and SGA really came on at the end of the season, and they're all freshmen last year. They all improved, but I would say that Colin Sexton and Shea Gilgis-Alexander both improved much more than Trey Young did throughout the season. And to me, as a college basketball fan, once again, Trey Young is more of a chucker than a scorer. And he did get the assist numbers, but if you look at his field goal percentages and his turnover ratios, I think his potential for bust is much higher than Colin Sexton and Shea Gilgis Alexander. So I would say top five was definitely a stretch for Trey Young. So Atlanta fans, I mean, curb your excitement. I know he's a big name in college basketball, but we'll see in five years out of those three who's the better player. That scares me when you say Chucker. Now, what NBA player would you compare him to? Maybe like a Dion Waiters? Well, you're the NBA expert, and I don't know that I necessarily have a comparison for him. People try to compare him to Steph Curry, and I don't think he's anything like Steph Curry. He's a lot smaller, and... uh, Steph Curry played the two guard while in college mostly, and this guy was the lead guard on, like I said, a bad team or a mediocre team. And maybe with better players around him, he won't have to chuck as much, so we'll see if he can become more of a distributor. But that's what he's going to have to do. He averaged 27 points per game in college. If he averages 20 points per game early in his career, let's say the first three or four years, I'll be surprised. 
because he's going to have to become a pass-first point guard in the NBA and hope to knock down open shots. He's definitely a point guard. You can't see him playing off-ball at all. I guess the league is moving a little more towards smaller players and having two point guards out there at times, um, but it would be tough for a 6'1", 6'2", guard to be guarding shooting guards that are 6'5", 6'6", in the NBA. Yeah. So... I'm much more skeptical about Trey Young than any of these other point guards. I guess you could include Luka in that, even though he's 6'8", and he's more of a wing in, in some ways, I think, because Dallas already has Dennis Smith. And Dennis Smith is not going to play a lot of two, I don't think. No. I think Luka's probably going to play more off the ball, being that he's 6'8". Um, but, yeah, I, I really felt like if you wanted a point guard near the top of this draft, it would be Colin Sexton or Shea Gilgis-Alexander. It's really a surprising pick, especially since the Hawks already have a, a decent point guard in Dennis Schroeder, but we're not completely sure if the Hawks are even sold on him for the future. They may be wanting to look to move on from him, but there were just other guys on the board that, you know, maybe Jaron Jackson or probably not Mo Bamba since they already have John Collins, a nice pro that they chose in the draft in the first round last year. There were just other guys, though, that, you know, kind of felt like they could take a stab at, at number three. I don't know. Trey Young, only time will tell, I guess. They, the Hawks have a lot of young players. They really don't have any established vets for the most part. They have Miles Plumley on the team. I think he makes the most money out of anyone. Oh, I think Dennis Schroeder got a nice contract. Dennis Schroeder and uh, what's-his-face, the other guy. Uh, I can't even think of his name. Uh, why can I not think of his name? I'm looking it up right now. It's pretty bad. I can't think of this. Kent Bazemore. Jesus. So, I guess maybe they got a go-to guy, but it's going to be interesting to see if they want to keep Schroeder and Young together because they both need to start. Maybe Schroeder goes off ball. I could see Schroeder getting traded maybe to the Magic. Magic do not have a point guard right now. Um... Let's uh, let's talk about the fourth pick. Jaron Jackson went to the Memphis Grizzlies. This pick was rumored to be traded for the longest time because Memphis has that terrible Chandler Parsons contract. Oh my God, the guy's making twenty million dollars a year for this year and next year. I think he averaged seven points a game this year. Ugh. That was not a good contract to get to a guy who was already hurt a few years prior when he was playing in Dallas. He had a nice career early on on the Rockets, but you did not want to give a max contract to a guy who gets injured a lot. So there was rumors that the Grizzlies were going to trade that number four pick and maybe try and get... There were rumors about DeMar DeRozan maybe being on the block for Toronto. I would have thought that may, that would make sense for both teams. Maybe Toronto's just like, you know what? We've been trying and failing too many times. Something's up. We got to change this core. Maybe we got to rebuild. Maybe we got to get a young, fresh prospect in with this group. Maybe it's time to say goodbye to DeRozan. And then you could have Mike Conley, Marcus Gasol, and DeRozan playing together. That's a pretty solid team. Not going to win you a championship, but I, uh, I think the Grizzlies, they're, they're a small market team, so they it, it's tough to rebuild for them because they already have such a fan base that's locked into um, this Marcus Gasol, Mike Conley core, the grit and grind error the remains of the grit and grind era. So it's kind of hard to sell a franchise that small on a rebuild. Could potentially lose a lot of money. They want to keep making the playoffs. That that gives them some hype. But 
They ended up keeping the pick, which was probably the smart thing if the right deal wasn't on the table. They ended up picking Jaron Jackson Jr., a.k.a. JJJ. Power forward. Uh, Greeny, I recall you saying this seemed like an odd pick for them because Jackson is not really a three-point shooter. Was that was that it? Something along the lines of that? Because he'd be playing next to Marcus All. I'm looking at his numbers right now, as a matter of fact, and he did shoot a good percentage in college from three. But I wouldn't think of this guy's calling card as being a stretch four in the NBA. I could see this guy eventually being a five in the NBA. I know that's not going to be what happens with Paul. Get, or I'm sorry, with Marcus All there, um, but. I would have liked Mo Bamba at that pick, but from what I understand, these players now have some ability to dictate who they want to go to by not releasing some of their injury history to some of these teams. And Mo Bamba apparently didn't want to go to Memphis, so he was kind of out of the question. And I guess at this point, Jaron Jackson was probably the next best big man on the board. I do believe that Mo Bamba is going to be the better NBA player. Jackson will probably be solid. He'll probably have a good rookie season. I don't see him scoring a ton as a rookie, and I think he's going to be more of a defensive player early in his career. This is like the anti-Marvin Bagley from two big picks before. Um, Marvin Bagley is going to be terrific offensively and not much for you defensively. I think Jaron Jackson is going to be terrific defensively, but not much offensively in his Mm. first year or two. Um, I think that Eventually, he could continue to develop his offensive game, but it's going to take a little time. And the Grizzlies, they do like their defense, so maybe that was a big reason why they made this pick. Would you say at number four he was the best on the board? I would say Mo Bamba, but that's just me. Obviously, they they didn't want him. If I had a draft board, I would have put Mo Bamba ahead of Bagley, too. That's how highly I think of Bamba. A lot of hype on Mo Bamba, that's for sure. That's what's going out there. So, I mean, I guess if the, if the Grizzlies really like this guy, why not go for it? I wouldn't make a pick based on your needs, exactly. So, they, they have Jermichael Green on the team as well. I mean, I, I guess they don't really need to start him he could come off the bench so you know you got a starting lineup of like Mike Conley you got um some other younger players they had a lot of young players this year uh Dylan Brooks remember him I, I remember you were saying some nice things about him last year wing from Oregon he, he could definitely score it he had a solid season from what I remember he played so many minutes because Conley got hurt injured on so it was basically all these young guys and Marcus all just playing games. They actually started the season off very well, from what I recall. It seemed like they were going to be one of the better teams. Andrew Harrison. Yep, they have Andrew Harrison. He's under contract for another year. Another solid guy. They actually signed Marshawn Brooks, who was playing over in China, and he was balling out towards the end of the year. I think he's under contract for another year. So. The Grizzlies, they're they're probably not going to make the playoffs again. They're they're probably just going to try and play hard, see what happens. If things don't look good towards the middle of the season, maybe they'll just sit Conley and Gasol again, let the young guys play, run it back again. That's that kind of seems like it's their plan, which I don't think is the smartest plan. I think they should have rebuilt last year or heck even probably the year before that but I understand small market you want to you want to give your fans hope so they're still trying to keep the the old grit and grind going even though there's really only two players left from that era. Jaron Jackson fits in well with that philosophy though because he's going to give you effort on the defensive end and on the board so he'll fit right in with that Mm -hmm. philosophy I think they should just try and get Zach Randolph back and just play him off the bench. That just sounds like a good idea. Just just for the sake of trying to get more fans in the building. 
you know, maybe trying to trade that Parsons contract and get Randolph back. And you know what? Tony Allen, he's he can still play. I I think his number's already retired. No way. As a Grizzly. I I swear, yeah. I remember hearing something about that this season. It's like unheard of. The guy's still in the NBA and his number's retired. Actually, so Tony Allen, he started the year out on the Pelicans, ended up getting traded to the Bulls in the Nikola Miritich trade. And then I think he got waived by the Bulls. So Tony Allen didn't have a great year, and he's also getting kind of old. But you know what? You know, grit and grind, man. You got to get the fans in the building. Might as well just sign them again. But I don't know. Yeah, see if uh, they can develop any youngsters, I guess. I don't really know what Memphis is doing. But we definitely talked about Memphis for a little too long here. Let's move on to the Mavericks. They made the trade to acquire Luka Doncic. They gave up a future first-round pick. From what I'm hearing, this is a home run for them. The Mavericks have uh, really kind of struggled to make a good move since they won the championship in 2011 it always seemed like they were kind of like trying to get that marquee free agent keeping cap space open by signing um free agents on one-year deals and then maybe waiting for the next summer to see if they can get that big free agent it just never really happened and now they are clearly trying to now it's funny I heard from Bill Simmons Bill Simmons apparently talked to Rick Carlisle and he said uh, Carlisle said that they're not rebuilding which I think is bogus but um, whatever (laughs) it clearly seems like they're trying to start over with something retooling tanking slash retooling whatever's in the middle of retooling and tanking that's what the Mavericks are doing so, this is a move, uh, a very positive move in the right direction. Luka Doncic could potentially be their next franchise player. Dirk could be passing the torch to him this year. Funnily enough, I actually saw Luka Doncic play. And I didn't even, I didn't even realize it till about a month ago. This is crazy. I I was in Spain last year, and. It was I was in Madrid and I wanted to see a basketball game there, and I saw that they were playing um, David Blatt's team, and Ante Zizic was on that team. Ante Zizic was a pick in the 2016 draft by the Celtics. There was a lot of hype around him, saying that he was going to be good. So I wanted to see him play. So I went to the game and saw them play Real Madrid. And there were it, it was pretty funny seeing all the old NBA players on there. Uh, Luke Herringoti, James Anderson, who played in the NBA for a little bit. I don't know if you remember him. I remember him from college, Oklahoma State. Yep. Just a bunch of other guys where you're like, oh my god, that guy. I totally forgot about him. But Luca actually played five minutes in the game. Keep in mind, this is 2017. Uh, early 2017 so he wasn't as good as he was this past season he played five minutes I don't even think he scored but I had no idea he was being touted as such a big prospect I probably would have paid a lot more attention when he entered the game if he did but the reason I found out is because I looked at a box score and I of uh, the game I went to last year just a month ago and I was just like oh Wait, Luca played in the game. Holy cow. But anyways, I don't know, Greeny, I know you haven't seen much footage on this guy. I haven't either. I don't watch EuroLeague ball. We're kind of just going off what the scouts are saying. But um, from what I hear, this this guy could be the next uh, cornerstone of the Dallas Mavericks. And I think that's good. I It's, it's a nice feel-good story. Um... One European passing the torch to another European to lead the franchise. 
I like it. Um, is there anything you want to say about Luca? Well, I'll just say I was really excited about the Dennis Smith pick for them last year, and to pair those two in a backcourt and build off of that post Dirk Nowitzki is probably a really good move by that front office. It's a good young core. You start with that and you build from there. And I, I still believe Dennis Smith is going to be a solid 10-year NBA player, if not longer. So hopefully they could grow together and see what they can do in the next couple of years here. Smith had a solid career. I think him and Luca could definitely play together. So you're looking at a lineup of Smith, Luca. They still have Wesley Matthews. They have Harrison Barnes. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they still start Dirk at center. He's not a very good center for the most part, defensive-wise. I mean, he can obviously shoot threes like crazy. But it's going to be interesting to see whether they're like, eh, Dirk, you know, you think he could come off the bench for this year? I actually, I hope Dirk plays like another two or three years, but there's murmurs that this might be his final year. I think he could play a few more years if, you know, he just doesn't completely destroy his body and, you know, just hangs out on the three-point line. He's always going to have that shot. No, not too many people can block that high-arcing shot. I was watching highlights the other day of the 2011 playoffs. Oh, my God. Such a different game than it was nowadays. All, all the Dirk post-ups and isolations, mid-rangers. One it's, on one basketball. It's a completely different era now. It's all about you know, either driving to the rim or dishing it out to the three-point three shooter. Ball screens. You really don't see big men isolation anymore. But... It was really cool watching those highlights. Dirk was incredible in those playoffs. One of the better playoff performances you will see. Let's move on to number six, the Magic. Maybe they finally got their guy. It's been six years, I feel like, that they've been kind of rebuilding, trying to get out of rebuilding mode, but then... They play so horribly at the beginning of the season that they're like, oh, yeah, we're not going to the playoffs. This is another rebuild year. They picked Mo Bamba. Best guy available, I think you would agree. Most definitely. Problem is they already have some centers, but it's really like who cares because this this whole roster, they, they just need to get rid of everyone, I feel like. Like, everyone's expendable, except for, I'd say, Jonathan Isaac, who they picked in um, the top ten last year. I think he might have been the fifth pick. I don't quite remember. You know, just just keep him and um, and Mo Bamba. You know, start from scratch. You know, try and get whatever assets you can for the other guys. Uh, Nikola Vucevic. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his last name right. Or Vucevic. He is the longest tenured Magic player. He was actually in the Dwight Howard trade back in 2012. He's still on the team. He's a he's a good stats guy. He'll he'll get you points in fantasy. It doesn't translate to winning games though. And I think for the past it seems like 3 or 4 years the Magic have been kind of hoping that he would uh take this step in the next direction. And uh, it, I don't know, it doesn't really seem to improve too much. I think it's time to move on from him and just let Mo Bamba get the starting spot. Bismack Biombo, they gave a huge contract to a couple years ago. I mean, at the time it didn't seem too, too crazy. Biombo had a great playoffs with the Raptors in 2016, so it, it seemed not too much of a stretch, but uh, I don't know. Bismack Biombo's been playing like the Bismack Biombo on like the Charlotte Bobcats. <laughs> like it's it's he is not worth seventeen million dollars. I think he averaged like five points a game this year. I don't know how many rebounds he averaged. But he is completely expendable. I completely forgot about Aaron Gordon <laughs> being on this team. I was just thinking about it. I said everyone's expendable. I don't really know what they should do with Aaron Gordon because he is a restricted free agent this year. He's still, I think he's still pretty young. He's probably like 23, 24. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe keep him. 
for the right price? Why not? I mean, could you see Aaron Gordon playing next to Mo Bamba? I was just going to ask you, could you see a front court of Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, and Bamba? Would that work in any way? Could Gordon play the three? I'm not going to lie. I didn't see Jonathan Isaac play that much this year. Um, he was actually injured a lot. And I also just don't really watch the Orlando Magic that much. Uh, could Isaac play the three? I'm asking you, could Gordon play the three? I mean, Isaac is like 6'10", so I think it'd be a stretch for him. Oh, he's geez, is he really? I didn't realize Gordon that. is like 6'8", though, isn't he? And he's not yeah. a outside shooter, but he's more of a slasher, right? He, he was getting better with shooting. I think he fits more as a, a, a four in today's NBA, though. I guess you could start those three. I wouldn't leave them out together. Too much at the same time, you know. I'd try and mix and match between Gordon and Isaac. Uh, I think Gordon can still play the three, though. He's just the quicker wings. I think are going to give him a lot of trouble. That's all. They still have Evan Fournier. They don't have a point guard. In fact, they made a post congratulating Shelvin Mack for averaging three point nine assists for <laughs> for the year, leading the team in assists. That was, I think that was a joke on their part. Um, it, it's it's really tough being a Magic fan. I really do feel for them, you know, thinking about the Penny and Shaq era abruptly ending and then the Dwight Howard era showing a lot of excitement going to the finals and then Dwight just being a pain in the ass and ending up demanding a trade. It seemed like a rebuild made a lot of sense at the time. Uh, they they have made some terrible trades. Let's just throw that out there. Uh, Tobias Harris, they got rid of him. I don't even. I think they got like Brandon Jennings and Ursan Ilyasova for Tobias Harris. <laughs> I don't. I think they were just trying to get off the contract that's why they traded him but it didn't really make sense because tobias harris was still pretty young they could have kept him maybe waited maybe wait to trade him later on get a better package than brandon jennings and ursan Ilyasova. who they didn't keep no yeah they were on the team for half a season and uh what else oh yeah oladipo they picked oladipo in 2013 now, to be fair, a lot of, like, around 2015, 2016, a lot of people were kind of like, uh, maybe Oladipo's, you know, not going to be this great player, you know. Maybe he's just going to be a rotation player, pretty solid, but definitely not all-star. Um, they, they traded him to the Thunder. They got Serge Ibaka. They were trying to, you know, build a team that's gonna that was going to go to the playoffs. Ended up being a, just a horrible move. Um, they had half a season of Serge Ibaka and it ended up trading him to the Raptors for, uh, they must have got a first round pick out of that. I, I can't imagine them not. And they got Terrence Ross, who is on the team. It's just, I, rem- I watched one Magic game, I think it was last year, right when they got Terrence Ross, and that dude has some crazy confidence the problem is a lot of his shots do not go in he will just chuck and chuck do it with complete swag he's got like a headband on you know he looks like he's having a great time out there but it's just brick after brick after brick (laughs) it's it's not it's not a pretty sight i'm very sorry magic fans i really hope mo bamba uh is a step in the right direction. All right, we got we got probably speed it up a little bit here. Chicago Bulls at number seven, they picked Wendell Carter. Uh, he's a center. The uh, the Bulls already have Laurie Markkinen. Can you see Carter playing next to Markkinen? This is an interesting topic of conversation because I would argue the fact that he's a center. This is another positional thing. I, I mean, I know we had a little bit of a discussion about Jaron Jackson's position moving forward. Wendell Carter is 6'9", and I don't see him playing center in the NBA at 6'9". I would say he's a four, 
And Laurie Markinen is taller than him, I believe. I believe he's six eleven or so. Yeah, he's but seven foot, I believe. Yeah. He's not playing the five either. Why? So, why do they list him as a center? Did he play center in college? Marvin Bagley and Wendell Carter played the four and five at Duke together. Okay. So that tandem is certainly a big enough front court tandem to play in college basketball against anybody. You got six eleven and you got six nine, although. As I said before, Bagley may project as a three eventually, maybe in the mold of a Laurie Markinen type of player, standing out on the perimeter and shooting threes. And Wendell Carter is going to be a four in the NBA. So I could see, knowing both of these guys from college hoops, maybe Markinen playing more on the wing someday and Wendell Carter being a stretch four and sliding another guy in at the five eventually. Markinen would have a tough time guarding threes, I'm sure. But I'd heard last night that he was a better defender than people thought he was going to be. Um, but, yeah, Wendell Carter is a very solid pick at number seven right there. But, yeah, he's not going to play the five in the NBA. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, you would have thought maybe they'd go with one of the forwards, one of the, the bridges, Miles or McCall or Kevin Knox, since uh, they don't really have a, a forward. They uh, they have Zach Levine, who they acquired in the Jimmy Butler trade. They have a whole slew of point guards. Um, Jerian Grant, remember him? Notre Dame. Notre Dame, picked by the Knicks back in, I want to say 2015. Never really panned out to be much. Hasn't really um, done a lot at all. Who else do they have? They, uh, they have Cameron Payne. They acquired him in the Taj Gibson trade. They have someone else. Oh, they signed Sean Kilpatrick, who uh, had, a, had a solid season with Brooklyn a couple years ago, but nothing substantial. I uh, Hold on. I'm going to see if they have another point guard. I feel like they do. Looking up their roster here. Uh, oh, they have Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn, who they also acquired in the Jimmy Butler trade. So they got, you would imagine they're going to try and start Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, probably Justin Holiday at the three, then Markadon and um, uh, their, uh, their new guy here. Wendell. Wendell. <laughs> well, maybe what you could do then in that case is play Carter and Markadon in tandem, kind of like Carter and Bagley played in tandem this year. I think... I think Bagley was actually listed as the center this year, um, but in college hoops, the four and the five, it's kind of incidental who's playing the four and who's playing the five, but I hope they have a good backup big man if you're playing Laurie Markinen and Wendell Carter in your front court in the NBA, because that's going to be a front court that gets pushed around. They do. Omar Sheik. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see how that works out. I would be skeptical about that, though. Not, not Wendell Carter himself. He's a very solid player. But I do think Laurie Markkinen eventually projects onto the wing. I think he could play some three eventually, even though he's 6'11", 7 foot. I'm looking at the roster here. They have a whole slew of you know, who's who of uh, draft prospects that had some hype to them that never went anywhere. Noah Vonley, remember him? Oh, yeah, Indiana. They have Bobby Portis still, Denzel Valentine. David Nwaba, who was undrafted but had um had a solid year with the Lakers. I, I see I see Bobby Portis is more of a potential five than Wendell Carter initially. And I don't know if they're gonna try and keep Bobby Portis. It looks like he had a solid season last year, but the jury's still out on him. Uh so that is the Chicago Bulls. Let's move on to the next pick. This was the Cleveland Cavaliers who acquired this pick in the Kyrie Irving trade. I'm a Celtics fan, so obviously I did not want this pick to end up going too low. So I was nervous throughout the year. I was rooting. I went from praying for Brooklyn to lose to, oh my God, Brooklyn, you better make the playoffs. And it looked like they may. It looked like Brooklyn had kind of a chance to make the playoffs. Jeremy Lin, they acquired uh, D'Angelo Russell. They had Alan Crabb, Damari Carroll. You know, just 
A lot of solid pros. Didn't end up happening, but luckily the pick didn't go too, too low. Number eight pick would have been nice to have, but um, whatever. I can live with it. So the Cavs picked Colin Sexton. There was a lot of rumors of this pick getting traded because uh, obviously LeBron James, we can't figure out if he's going to want to stay or leave. I think LeBron wanted that pick traded throughout the season to try and get some more established stars, but he wouldn't give the Cavs an answer as to whether he'd resign. And the, the Cavs obviously want to hold on to the pick in case LeBron leaves. They want you know some kind of insurance for a rebuild. So I don't blame them. I think that was just an odd situation to be in for everyone there. So they ended up making the pick. They didn't trade it. Hey, it could still be traded. I heard a rumor today that um, the Charlotte Hornets really liked Colin Sexton. So they're saying maybe the Cavs made that pick to try and get Kemba. Who knows? It could happen. But uh, Colin Sexton. what? T- tell me about this guy, Greeny. This is one of my favorite players in this draft. Oh, yeah? Like I had said to you. If I had a draft board and I was a GM, I would have had Aiton at the top. Uh, Sans Luca, I would have Mo Bamba, number two. And my my third favorite college player out of that bunch would be Colin Sexton. And I felt like he was the best point guard on the board. And I think that he will be a big-time scorer right off the bat. Maybe less so if they still have LeBron James. But I think this guy could turn into an all-star in the NBA someday. And... He's still learning the point guard position. Apparently, he was a shooting guard all throughout high school until his senior year. Avery Johnson threw him the keys to the car at Alabama last year and said, you run my team. And he scored a lot of points. He was not a huge distributor. He didn't have a great supporting cast, not a lot of NBA guys on that team. But he's an emotional leader. This guy's got swagger like you wouldn't believe. And he will fit right in with today's NBA. Combo guard, he could play off the ball too. If he gets to play with LeBron, he will be a scoring threat like Kyrie was. And I see a good 10-year NBA career with this guy, if not longer. All right, so he could probably play with George Hill then, I'm assuming, because they still have George Hill under contract. Uh, J.R. Smith's obviously still on the team. Uh, I do not think he'll be on the team next year if LeBron stays. And even if LeBron leaves, I think they're going to try and dump J.R. Smith. So I wouldn't worry about um, J.R. complaining about not starting because they get this new guy. Uh, Cavs, a lo- a l- it's hard to talk about the Cavs now because a lot can happen in the next week or so with this team, just depending on LeBron's free agency decision. So... Let's not go too in-depth into their offseason just yet. Let's go to number nine. We have the New York Knicks. They picked Kevin Knox. He was booed. Jesus, Knicks fans. Like, you know, maybe maybe they're doing it as good luck because the last pick they booed was Kristaps Porzingis. Look how he turned out. Pretty damn good. Looking like probably the second best pick in the 2015 draft. Carl Anthony Towns, I would give number one. Um, so, yeah, maybe they were doing that, but it sounds like they wanted Michael Porter Jr. instead of Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox is your boy, Greeny. Greeny, if you didn't know, is a huge Kentucky fan. Kevin Knox went there. Tell us about Kevin Knox, Greeny. This guy looks like he's going to be a plug-and-play guy for the Knicks this year just because... Kristaps Porzingis is going to be out most of the season, and you're going to need some scoring punch off the wing. Maybe his upside is not quite as high as Michael Porter Jr.'s is, but this guy's going to be a solid pro for a long time, too. Uh, One of the younger players in this draft, which is also a benefit to the team that takes him, and he's right there with Bagley as one of the younger guys in the draft, and We'll see. I've heard some projections that he may play some four someday when he 
bulks up a little bit, but he's a versatile guy. He's got a silky smooth jump shot, and he's going to probably, like I said, bulk up a little bit and continue to improve defensively. And he's already a good rebounder for his position at three. So we'll see what goes on in New York, but I think you're going to have a productive player right off the bat. I don't know about rookie of the year type of candidate, but he's going to score right away, and he'll make open shots, and that's a good start. And I'd imagine he'd get a lot of playing time, too, right now. The Knicks don't exactly have a starting point guard. They have uh, Frank Nicotina that they um, they drafted last year, but they're bringing him off the bench probably as a precaution to you know bring him along slowly because the New York media is brutal, let me tell you. They're very critical of the Knicks if Frank Nilakina played horrible to start off the season, he would have been a punching bag for the headlines. So maybe they'll start Frank this year, then maybe they'll um, keep uh, Tim Hardaway in the starting lineup, who they gave a big contract to, so I think you got to keep him in the starting lineup. They also have Courtney Lee, um, just a solid rotation player. I could see him coming off the bench, though, so maybe they go Frank at the 1, Hardaway at the 2. You got Kevin Knox at the 3. Porzingis, when healthy, would play the 4. And then they have Ennis Cantor for another year at the 5. And then they also have Joakim Noah, (laughs) (laughs) who is on the worst contract in the NBA. On another note. Yeah, unrelated. So, Knicks fans, hey, this is a solid pick. This is not going to be a bust. This is going to be a guy that's productive and stays in the league for a long period of time. It's a good, safe pick. So, you know, take it as a victory. Brighter days are ahead, Knicks fans. Up next we have the number 10 pick. So, the number 10 pick... We watched live. It was uh, Mikhail Bridges who was picked for the Philadelphia 76ers. Mikhail Bridges' mom uh, is the VP of Human Resources for the Sixers. So that was a big story. His mom was there in um, the the draft interview. It was like, oh my god, like my son's on the team that I work for. It's crazy, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, then he got traded, <laughs> like a half an hour later. <laughs> this business is brutal. Hey, we witnessed the Isaiah Thomas trade, so, you know, it's a business at the end of the day, unfortunately. So, who did the Sixers end up getting? So the Sixers ended up getting Zaire Smith who I really do not know anything about. But this was actually a very good trade for the Sixers, who don't even have a real GM right now because their other GM was making fake Twitter accounts. Um, or, or his wife was. Really bizarre story. Yeah, right. The ringer breaking that story. It's like the Watergate of the NBA. It's It's insane. This is how powerful social media is now and, you know, it's it's it can change your career if you you make wrong make bad decisions. Okay, so Zaire Smith. So they got Zaire Smith and what I heard, I think it was a future unprotected pick from the Miami Heat for 2021. I could be wrong. That is an incredible asset to get, just because the Miami Heat in three years could be a terrible team you know you look at their roster now they have Goran Dragic they have uh Hassan Whiteside uh just not not too too much upside talent I know they got Bam I know they got Justice Winslow but he doesn't really seem to be that good of a player so that might be an incredible pick in three years that could be a easily a lottery pick so that was really smart on um the sixers part to get that i'm really surprised the suns would even give up um that pick 
So I guess we'll talk about who the Sixers acquired first. So let's talk about Zaire Smith. Do you, what do you know about him? I'm like you. I didn't get to see him play very much this year. And something I do know is that he's the first guy who is not an ESPN top 100 recruit to ever be drafted in the first round. Hmm. Which means he made a monumental leap in one season at Texas Tech. So his growth over that one year was tremendous. So I would say theoretically the Sixers are probably expecting another season of similar type of growth. Um, what I've heard is he's a long wing who's really athletic, really good defender. I don't think he has a great developed offensive game as of yet, but he's going to be an energy guy off the bench from what I gather and maybe not a rotation guy right away because the Sixers are becoming a better team and getting a little bit older. Depending on what happens with Mark Hill Fultz, I think Fultz would get minutes before Zaire Smith would next year. But we'll see what happens. Uh, probably a big-time potential type of guy down the road. But this is not going to be an NBA starter in probably year one or year two. Yeah, and it's a pretty um, deep team in terms of young guys at the moment anyways. I mean, they got Rashawn Holmes glued to the bench. They have a lot of other solid guys that Timothy, I can't even pronounce his last name. Luau Cabarro. Yes. Yep, I've learned it living in the Philly area. Ah, uh, yeah. He's he played been, a bunch this year, can really shoot the three. Yeah, you've been watching more games. They have this Firkin guy, that's his first name. I don't remember his last name. So. Yep. yep. So they got, um, they got some young guys who, you know, they can, um, throw out there once in a while, but they're a playoff team, so I wouldn't expect Mr. Zaire here to uh, get too much playing time this year. Let's talk about the two Clippers picks. So the Clippers had uh, 